Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Shelley Wilson Show. I'm an intuitive medium, a Reiki master, and spiritual growth coach. My mission is to assist others on their own journey into consciousness and encourage them to live an authentic life through awareness and empowerment. Coming from a place of respect, truth, integrity, and love, I honor your free will and recognize that you are co-creating your reality with the universe. My intention is to bring understanding, help you to heal from the past, and realize your full potential. I invite you to begin your life in a new way and tap into your inner power as you explore who you really are. Refrain from simply existing and elect to live your life fully without regret. It is time to let go of the past. Live in the present and look to the future, for it is this attitude that will transform you. Today's special guest is Tom Zuba. He is author of Permission to Mourn, A New Way to Do Grief. For 20-plus years, Tom has been learning to live life with the deaths of his daughter, wife, and son. He is a life coach, author, and speaker teaching people all over the world a new way to do grief. Permission to Mourn. The death of someone we love cracks us open, inviting us to become the person we were born to be. This is the book Tom Zuba wishes he had read after his daughter Erin died and after his wife Trish died. It's the book he wishes he'd been handed following his son Rory's death. But Tom had to live it first before he could write it. For you, in the beginning, Tom did grieve the old way, repressing, denying, pretending, numbing, and stuffing every feeling and every emotion that arose. He created pain on top of pain until he began searching for a new way, a new way to do grief. Once he gave himself permission to mourn, healing began. Along the way, Tom discovered that grief is not the enemy. Grief can be one of our greatest teachers. It's the stories we tell that determine whether or not we will heal. We will always have a relationship with the people we love that have died. We were not born to suffer. We were born to be radiant. There is a new way to do grief. Let Tom Zuba teach you how. Tom's website is TomZuba.com, and I will... I'm delighted to welcome Tom to the show today. Thank you so much, Shelly. Thank you so much, Shelly. I'm really, really happy to be here with you. Well, I'm very happy to have you here with me. I know, first of all, I need to give a shout-out to our mutual friend, Colleen, who suggested that we connect on Facebook and what a beautiful spirit Colleen is. Absolutely, and I know she's listening to I us. I know she is, and she'll be so happy. Yeah, I know she'll be so happy that I said her name on air. So I love this connection. And, you know, Tom, your book came out, and I was so delighted. First of all, thank you for gifting and send me a copy. And, and I love the cover, and I know that this is something that you painted yourself and created. And, you know, before we dive into it, I just have to say I sat down and I read it, in one sitting, and it felt like I was dancing. The words, I was dancing with the words, and I know that the layout is specifically intended a certain way, and so listeners, you're going to have to purchase the book to see what I'm talking about, but it was just a beautiful expression of life, of death, of grieving, and the reminder that life does continue after death. Absolutely, absolutely. Um I, I think for for many of us, life doesn't actually begin fully until we're able to make peace with the deaths of the people that we love. 
my life is so much richer and so much more expansive, and I'm living it now really in technicolor. Uh, it's very, very different to how it was uh, before my daughter died, my first real experience with an intimate death. Yes, and, and of course, you know, that was just the beginning, and little did you know that in that time, did you? I, I had no idea. I had no idea. If someone would have suggested to me that this was going to be my path, I'm not exactly sure what I would have said or what I would have done. But in retrospect, it's so clear to me that this really is the perfect path. And as a result, I'm one of the really, really lucky ones in that I know exactly why I came to this earth. And I love that. I know exactly why I was born. And, you know, I just have to say, first of all, spirit gives me chills um, when it's truth. And, you know, that's my connection to spirit as far as um, feeling into that vibration. And so even as I was reading your bio and reading the synopsis of the book and then hearing you say that, that you know why you're here, you know, you're one of the lucky ones to know your purpose, I've just felt this immense amount of love coming through. And, And, you know, so, Tom, I have to also commend you for having the courage to share your personal stories in order to assist others with their own grieving process. Courage is a really, really interesting word. I think for me, I had the courage to continue to live. I think it's really, really important to acknowledge, and I try to acknowledge this and bring it out into the light as often as I can, that when someone that we love dearly dies, it is it is natural. I think it's very common to consider suicide. Mm-hmm. There, I went and said it. Um, yes. And I, I commend you for that because you wrote about it. Yes, I, I absolutely considered suicide. Why? Because the pain was so unbelievably intense that I needed a way out. But I am so, so, so grateful that I listened to that small, small voice inside of me that said over and over again, or you could choose to live, or you could choose to live. So for me, it it was the courage to make the decision to choose to live in spite of indescribable pain and almost complete and total hopelessness. That That's where the courage really, really came in initially. Wow. And, you know, what? another thing that I just want to say, you, you address a lot of topics in this book. And, you know, once again, I'm going to mention your website, TomZuba.com, and that's T-O-M-Z-U-B-A.com. And, you know, I, I know that your book is... is very well received. You know, you do have a lot of people that follow your Facebook page, and and just for the listeners to go ahead and share that with them as well, it's Tom Zuba teaches a new way to do grief. And you know, the thing is that you even write about, you know, Elizabeth Kubler Ross. She's her writings, her um, discoveries, and such are what a lot of people feel, but but we recognize that you know that isn't the case for everyone. Well, what's interesting about that, Shelley, is I I love Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. She is a pioneer, and and her work was groundbreaking. But her work has been misunderstood, misinterpreted, and misapplied. She worked with people that were dying. and, And in a small group of people, she observed these stages that they went through. And to be honest with you, I honestly believe that because therapists didn't know what else to do, they didn't know what other directions to move in, they applied those five stages in a very orderly, predictable way to those of us that continue to live after our loved one died. And it astounds me, really, that in 2015, there are still therapists and ministers and priests 
I know it's all well-intentioned, and I know that they are doing the best they can. But when they suggest that there is an orderly, predictable unfolding of grief, that simply is not true. And it's essential that we make that really, really clear. It's not true. That isn't the way grief unfolds. Yes, and you know what I'm picking up as you're saying that, you know, if they had those personal experiences for themselves, if they were the test subjects, you know, this is probably something that they would realize sooner than later. And, and, and they they always do because mm-hmm. I have worked with I have worked with many of them who have said, Tom, until my spouse died or my parent died or my child died, I had no concept of what the experience of grief is really like. I shudder to think, you know, what I quote, did to my clients over the years. I'm such a better practitioner now having lived through it. So you're absolutely yeah. right. And, yeah, yeah, and, and, I, and I, I call those people, they're ignorant innocence. It's, yeah. it's very innocent. And ignorant means they just don't know. I, exactly. I understand that. I understand that. Yes, and you know, the thing is... Um, you know, we, we touched upon this before we went live on air, and the thing is, is my belief is there's two ways to view everything, love or fear. And we were sharing briefly about how fear tends to, you know, overwhelm us and encompass us and, and you know, create that feeling that immobilizes us. And, and many people don't even realize what's going on in, until they're consumed with it. I love the work of Eckhart Tolle, and yes. the phrase he uses is pain body. It's a it's a fascinating concept, and, you know, for the next couple of minutes, all right, I'll use that term. I truly, truly believe that it is an energy of fear that surrounds us when someone we love dies, and we temporarily go unconscious. That's just part of the human condition that we've all created. So it's as if we kind of step on, let's call it the grief train, and we just we we do what we think we're supposed to do, and the people that are surrounding us, they don't know any better. They think we're supposed to do all of that as well, and you're absolutely right. Most of that is totally, totally, totally based in fear. And and when we when we inhale the energy of fear, we just attract more and more and more of it, and we create more and more of it. But you know what? I, I can't help but think that for now, you know, until enough of us create something different, that's the road that we take to awakening. Because when the fear is so undeniably, excruciatingly, overwhelmingly painful, then that's the invitation to wake up and make another choice. And unfortunately, that's the path most of us take. Yes, and, you know, just to clarify, too, from my perception, fear comprises that vibration that anything that is not love. So it also has guilt, shame, anger, frustration, all of that other vibrational, emotional energy as well. Yes, I agree with you 100%. And for me now, I say bring fear on. Fear (laughs) is such a gift because my body recognizes fear immediately. And fear occurs in the present moment. And when I'm in the present moment, then I can make another choice. And as you just said, the the optimal choice is, okay, I'm going to choose love. You know, what does that look like? What does that feel like? So we we, we don't need to be afraid of fear. Uh, Fear is actually a great gift. It's an invitation. Absolutely. And, you know, listeners, I want to go ahead and mention before Tom and I dive too far into this conscious conversation that Tom's going to take a few callers in the latter portion of the show if you're guided to call in. The call-in number is 347-308-8250, or you can click on the telephone icon and call in via Skype. And please remember, these are not readings. This is insight and tips and advice to assist you and offer you a new way to do grief. 
So, Tom, as we you know, really dive in, I know we've been talking about a lot of things and talking about the book, but is there anything that you would like to share just to give the backstory of how all this began? Sure. Um, as you said in the intro, my daughter Erin died. A uh, number of years later, my wife Trish died. Both of their deaths were very, very, very sudden. When Trish died, uh, my son Sean was three and Rory was seven. And remarkably, uh, four or five years after Trish died, Rory was diagnosed with a terminal brain cancer, a glioblastoma. So for me, the the dark pit of despair that we go into or that I went into uh, each time someone that I love died, that darkness, that despair, that's what really, really catapulted me into looking for something else. Um, what what I was doing wasn't working, and I needed to find something else. And that let me that kind of led me on the path to discover what I call a new way to do grief. Yes, and so I know it took time for you to compile this information and, and write this book. But I, I know that, once again, as I mentioned previously, it's being very well received, isn't it? It, it is. It really is. It took me um, at least 15 years. After my wife died, it was really, really clear to me that I, number one, didn't want to waste the experience, and number two, I wanted to be surrounded by people that were wiser than me. Hmm. And believe it or not, believe it or not, while she was in the hospital, she was just in the hospital for 52 hours, I knew intuitively that I needed to pay really close attention to everything that was happening because I was going to tell our story on the Oprah Winfrey show. This was in 1999. I knew that intuitively. Mm-hmm. And four months later, I'm telling that story uh, with uh, the author, Gary Zukoff, who wrote The Seed of the Soul. So... I, I knew I knew I was going to write a book. I wasn't sure what the format would be. I wasn't sure how I would share everything I was learning with the audience that I wanted to touch. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I went through ups and downs. I probably had three formats of the book that I began and then abandoned. And about two years ago... We hear this often from authors and from artists and from creative people. But about two years ago, I literally sat down at 5 a.m. in the morning with my coffee cup and my computer, started to write. And wow. over the course over over the course of about 20 days, same same routine. Got up at 5 a.m., got my coffee, got my computer. I wrote, and I knew, okay, this is the format, this is the style, this is the way I'm going to share what needs to be shared. So I would say it was a long journey to get me to that point, but once I was ready, the book just flowed out of me. And it's um, it's humbling, really, and it's really, really gratifying to know that my book is touching people all over the world. I, I like I said, I I, I never wa- I, I didn't want to waste the experience of my daughter, my wife and my son's death. Mm-hmm. And the, this concrete, tangible product that's a result of the last twenty years, this book of mine that is helping people heal um, I didn't waste the experience, and I'm really, really grateful. Yes, I love that. And, you know, the thing is, too, uh, just talking about how it came to fruition, you know, the process, and once you are inspired, once the time is right, it does flow, doesn't it? And, you know, I loved reading Gary's forward in the book. That is beautiful. And I also really loved 
the introduction and how you shared the stories, but I also love how you gave credit um, to your great teachers. And, you know, many of them are my favorites as well. And, and you shared, you know, a quote from the different books and, and things like that. So I really love how you included that in your book as well, Tom. Thank you. Thank you. That was really, really important to me because I'm really aware of the fact that I would not be where I am, I would not be who I am if it weren't for, really, I, I say it in the book, these, these ordinary people who made extraordinary choices over and over and over again and as a result produced extraordinary life-transforming work. And and most of the work was introduced to me through Oprah on her show. So, and and anyone that's familiar with that path will see the wisdom of so many of these teachers, you know, through the through my work now. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I think that that's important to remember that you know, I mean, to quote. Whoever, I mean, it does take a village. It really does take a village. None yes. of none of us. What, another way to say it, and this is becoming clearer and clearer to me, we really are all connected. We we really are one. I mean, I, I'm not just saying that. We really are, and and yes, I'm an extension. Are. I'm an extension of these great, great, wise, wise, wonderful teachers, and I'm really grateful for that. Yes, and I can feel that gratitude. And, you know, I want to say, too, definitely we are all on this journey together, this journey into consciousness. Each one of us are having these human life experiences. And, you know, one thing that I really love that you did address, because so many people, you know, when they are in that grieving process, and, you know, I feel like it's important, too, that we need to address that grieving can also comprise, of course, the loss of a job, loss of a relationship. It doesn't just necessarily mean the death of someone. So there, there is a lot that you can mourn if you need to, and I do believe that this book will help with that as well. But what I was referring to also is, you know, very much allowing yourself, honoring yourself, feeling into all that, and, you know, when we're talking specifically about communicating with our loved ones on the other side, you do address that aspect of mediums, connecting with that, but also how important it is to pay attention to that subtlety, those signs, those messages, what are coming through, because our loved ones do communicate with us in a multitude of ways if we allow ourselves to pay attention. So, Shelley, this is what's so beautiful. I'm looking at my clock right now, and it is 2.22. 22, yes. And I love that number. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and we're my, talking about um, signs. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And for people that don't know me, my son Rory died on February 22nd, which is 2.22. Two, two. And in many different ways, that that's how... Rory connects with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've, I know, I know that our loved ones are circled around us, and they are whispering in our ear, "Heal, heal, heal! I want you to heal. I love you. I love you. I love you. Heal, heal, heal." Um, they're doing everything they possibly can to assist us and communicate with us. Um, but but we have to lean into it. You know, we have to lean into it. We have to we have to open to that communication. We do. And and you know, a lot of people, you know, talking again and, and I feel like it's important to go there, but I do honor and recognize that many religions mm-hmm. feel like it's not possible or feel that we shouldn't you know, attempt communication with those that it passed. And, you know, from my perception, there's just a lot of fear involved in that regards. And I, I feel that, you know, it is important to remember that, you know, everything is energy. Uh, and just because our loved ones don't have the physical form anymore, there's still energy because energy cannot be created or destroyed. It can only be transformed. I, I write about this in the book. This I know for sure. 
The death of someone we love cracks us open. It is supposed to crack us open. And and for many of us, the foundation that we stood on has been rocked. It is supposed to be rocked. It's supposed to be rocked. And as we rebuild ourselves, we get to decide what we believe. It doesn't matter what the minister said, what our parents said, what the priest said, what the rabbi said. What matters is what do I believe? And and our body is the barometer that God gave us. Our, as you said earlier, our body recognizes truth. Yes. So many of us, so many of us, we've numbed ourselves. We continue to numb ourselves. We can't even feel our body. But when we, when we're in a state where we we are in touch with our body, we recognize truth. And and I would suggest that most of us will remember when we're awake that, of course, we can communicate with the people that we love that died. Of course we can. We know that intuitively. Yes. And, you know, I I think it's important, once again, to, you know, allow people to see what feels right to them. You know, you're not telling people how to mourn. You're giving them that opportunity to share, to read your own experiences, and with that, provide them insight on a new way to do grief. That's, that's the whole premise. Absolutely. We, we each possess the keys. We each know exactly what we need to heal. I don't know what you need to heal, but you do. I can accompany you. I can give yes. you the tools that I've used. If they resonate with you today, wonderful. If they don't, that's okay, too. But I will tell you that when you listen to your body, your body knows. And, and, and this, is, um, this is something that's pretty revolutionary. Mm-hmm. We, tr- we, we truly were not born to suffer. That's not why we came here. And I was just talking with a friend of mine about this, but many religions suggest that there's something really, really noble about suffering. You know that 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 the more we suffer, the, the the greater our reward will be, and the closer to God we will we will get. Um, no, thank you. No, thank you. I was not born to suffer. I was born to experience the joy of God, the joy that God created. I was born to be radiant, and so was everybody else. Yes, we all are born to shine, aren't we? Absolutely. Yes. Well, Tom, is there something that you would like to share? I know that you work as a life coach and that you're a speaker as well, and and this is, as you indicated, you know what your purpose is, and this is what you do. So is there something that you would like to share specifically, some advice? You know, we we do encourage, I do encourage the the readers to visit TomZuba.com to learn more about you, to pick up your book, but is there something that you want to share with them? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, people often ask, what do I do to heal? You know, what do I do? What's the first step that I can take? And what I, what I have to offer is healing occurs in the present moment. Healing does not occur in the past, and it does not occur in the future. And when someone we love dies, or as you suggested, when when we lose our job, when our house is going to be foreclosed on, when uh, we're physically uh, not as healthy as we had been, any type of loss. When something like that happens, we tend to spend most of our time in the past and we'll kind of creep into the future, but the future often terrorizes us. Mm. The place... The place where healing occurs is in the present moment. And and one way, one way to bring yourself into the present moment is to remember what you consider beautiful. What is beautiful to you? Now, I live in the Midwest, 
and it, we're experiencing spring, and my daffodils are up and blooming. They are beautiful. So I very consciously have a bouquet of them on my table. And when I look at those daffodils, I'm in the present moment. And I yes. very conscious I very consciously try to quote become one one with them. I try to marinate in their beauty. I, I try to inhale their beauty. And beauty vibrates at a healing level. So when I consciously connect with that which I think is beautiful, I transform myself. I welcome healing into my body. It's 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 simple, yet it's really really complex. Um, yes. We we we've been taught that time heals all wounds. That's not only ridiculous; it's not true. We we have to consciously step into our own healing. It requires intention, it requires effort, it requires work. But boy, is it worth it. (laughs) It absolutely is. And, you know, you were talking about the weather. I'm in Oklahoma, and I spent my morning mowing. And, yes, friends on the East Coast, we are already mowing here, and, and I've been working in the flower beds. And, you know, for me, that is a time to be present, a time to connect, a time to listen. And, you know, it is grounding as well as re-energizing. And, you know, the point is, too, it is, you know, in order to live life fully, and I, I suppose that's the word that I want to use, I do feel how important it is to be present in the moment to just enjoy what is happening, and, and this is even enjoying the challenges we may be faced with. I, going back to Eckhart Tolle, I, I remember reading shortly after Rory died, and boy, did it make me mad when I read this, but he said, when I resist what is, I am waging war with life. Mm. And boy, was I resisting what was. I was resisting my life. I knew I could feel it. You know, going back to our our body as God's barometer, I could feel the fire of resistance in my body with every breath, with every step. I hated being alive, but but I couldn't figure out how to put the weapons down and how to end the war. It took me a long, long, long time. And no doubt, it's still a learning process too, isn't it, Tom? Of course it is. Of course it is. But now now at least I'm tuned in and I can immediately feel the resistance in my body. And it's like, Lord have mercy, again? (laughs) You know, again, again, again? Yeah, so yes, if if I can say yes to whatever is occurring in this moment, if I can say yes, if I can say yes, if I can say yes. Yes, then just say yes. And, you know, you said yes to do the show with me, and here we are. More and more and more. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm saying yes, I am not resisting. And I am very humbly and very gratefully um, just so so aware that, it kind of goes to one of the things Einstein said is, do we believe we live in a kind, compassionate, friendly universe? Or do we think we live in a random, chaotic, up-for-grabs universe? Now, keep in mind, I have two dead children and a dead wife, but I do believe that I live in a kind, compassionate, loving, caring universe. And that makes all the difference. It does. You know, I'm flipping through the book, and I'm immediately guided to Chapter 12, which the topic is miracles. And, you know, what what you talk about here is saying that we each have our own story, and we hold on to beliefs about our stories. These beliefs can cause us incredible pain, and some of these beliefs that you address are, he was stolen from me, she died too young, we were robbed, I should have been there, I should have saved him, her death is my fault. And... I will never be happy again. There will always be a great big hole. And you immediately 
refer to Marian Williamson, who defines a miracle as a shift in perception. And, you know, that is what you're talking about, what you're writing about. And no doubt how you do grief differently is because you're saying, okay, let's let's look at these beliefs, let's look at these stories, let's see what is really happening, see it from a higher soul perspective. A- absolutely. Um, one of the things that fascinates me about Facebook is the number of posts I see. My mother's having an MRI. My daughter's having a whatever. This test, that test, the other test. Please pray. You know, please pray. And then when the result is positive, what we hear is God answered our prayer. Yes. You know, God is good. You know, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, like many of your listeners, when you have a dead child, a dead spouse, a dead parent, and you did pray, I mean, I certainly did, then that then in the process of being broken open, you have to answer the question. I know I certainly did. Well, wait a second here. Now, did God favor those folks more than me? Is that why he or she answered their request right. for a miracle right. and, not, and not mine? So I love Miriam's definition that a miracle is a shift in perception. Absolutely, yes. absolutely. I was at a program not too long ago, and I was raised Catholic, and I was I was thrilled to hear this Catholic theologian say that when he encountered people in the hospital whose loved ones were clearly dying, and when they asked him about miracles, he said something like, well, the church certainly does believe in miracles. But he said, but i got to be honest with you. I don't think 10 or 50 or 100 human beings here on earth begging and pleading God to change his mind, I don't think that that's necessary for a miracle to occur. You know, if a miracle is going to occur, it's going to occur, regardless of the prayers, the begging, the pleading. You know, I thought that was pretty progressive on his part. Yes, I agree. And, and, you know, the thing, too, as you were telling that story about how, you know, people are so grateful when things turn out the way they want. In the same sense, you know, I feel that we firmly have to trust that regardless of the outcome, we have to trust that things are how they should be. And I, I know for a lot of people that's really hard to fathom. It, it, is, it is hard to fathom. I write about this in the book, too. I, I, I have been really, really blessed in that after, excuse me, probably 12 hours before my wife died, uh, the, the, one of the doctors said, Tom, there's nothing we can do. Make a list of everyone you know and, and ask them to pray for a miracle. So we did. I mean, I came up with a list of people that I thought were really good prayers. Mm-hmm. We called them. We called them and said, pray, 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 pray. Okay, my wife died. Mm-hmm. So I wrestled with that for a while, and I thought, did I not have the right people praying? Were they not saying the right prayer? Did I not have enough people? You know, it's like, what went wrong here? Right. So so when Rory was diagnosed, I pushed the envelope. I mean, I very, very consciously pushed the envelope. And I thought, can I energetically keep this kid alive? Can I do everything in my power to save him, to heal him? So through his Curing Bridge site, I had people all over the world, all religions, including Wiccans and atheists and agnostics, praying, chanting, you know, beating their drums, doing everything to cause a shift. We had ashes from India, water from Medjugorje, everything. I even let the Catholic priest anoint him. 
everything I possibly could to save this kid, I did. The kid died anyway. The kid died anyway. And the gift for me in that was knowing at a deep, deep, deep level, actually, it it was remembering. I mean, it was something that, that I think we all know, that it's impossible to die at the wrong time or in the wrong way. You know, yeah. Rory Brennan Zuba died at the right time in the right way. And and my kid died from brain cancer. So so is that easy to say? It is now because I know it's true. But right. that's probably one of the most provocative things that I put out there. I know that. I know it is. That 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 can be really, really disturbing to people. You know, what do you mean? You know, my daughter was run over by a car. You know, my my wife was raped and beaten. That that was she died in the perfect way in the perfect time? Yes, yes. she did. Yes, she did. Do I completely understand it? I do not. But I surrender. I surrender to a loving God, a loving universe. I surrender to a power of love. Yes, and I, I think that's beautiful. And once again, I have to say it takes a lot of courage to say those words because, you know, even myself through my own work, connecting with people, speaking with people, you know, it is hard to say that to someone. And, you know, knowing that it may not be something that they are able to grasp, but also I feel so important how it is to see things from that higher soul perspective. And, and and obviously, Shelley, timing is everything. You of know, I'm course. I'm not I'm not I'm not going to share that with a couple whose child just died. Of course, it, you know, it it it, it, it comes out of trust and right. um, love and and a, a safe space that's already been created, and and a desire on the people that I'm working with part to go deeper to really really ask the questions. Yeah, and, yeah. and I do, and I do, and I do think one of the most fundamental questions is number one: Is there a God? I don't care what you call it. You know, the force, the higher power. Does that exist? And then, if if I say yes, it does. I'm not interested in in who you think that is. I'm more interested in what do you think that is. Now, mm. what do you think that is? What is that? Because the way you answer what is that, that colors everything. Everything goes back to that. Wow, it is. And, you know, just having this conscious conversation with you, Tom, I know a lot of people, whether they're listening live or listening to the archive show, there will be something I'm affirming that they can glean from this. And as I said before, whether we're applying it to the loss of a loved one or loss of a relationship or loss of a... Um, job or anything like that. I, I feel like it's so very important to recognize that. I do too. I do too. I define grief as the internal automatic response to loss. It's internal. Yeah. It's automatic. And and I firmly, firmly believe that our first experience with grief was when we left our mother's womb. Yes. You know, you know, uh, <laughs> While we were safe and secure and cared for and warm and provided for, that was kind of our version of heaven. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're thrust into this world. We we, we experience grief and and we cry. And I think that that's, um, that's the first experience with grief and until the day we die, we will continue to experience grief. So everyone grieves. In, in order to heal, we have to mourn. And mourning is pushing that grief up and out. It's, mourning is a lost art. I think most of us have forgotten how to mourn. And that's why we don't heal. That's very true. And, you know, I have to say, even just feeling into your energy, I'm, I'm empathic. So that that means I am clairsentient. I feel energy. And, and I have to say, you know, you just have a lot of peaceful energy surrounding you. And I know that, obviously, that wasn't always the case, was it? Oh, Shelley, this is what I say over and over and over again. This is really, really hard work. It It is 
hard, hard, hard work, and that's why most people don't do it. It's too hard. Uh, no, 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 no. I, I have lived many, many years in darkness, in desperation, in fear, in pain. Uh, but as I said, doing the work, it's so worth it. It's so worth it. Uh, I I know at a deep, deep level that that what I share, it's true for me. It's true for me, and that's the best I can offer. I can offer the world my truth. And if it resonates with people, and it certainly seems to, then hallelujah. Yes, very good. Well, Tom, I know we've got several people that have called in, but they haven't pressed one to connect, so I don't want to just put them on the line and put them on the spot. But if anyone uh, wants to call in, we have just a little bit of time left, and that's 347-308-8250, or you can click on the telephone icon to call in via Skype. Please remember these are not psychic or mediumship readings. These are an opportunity to connect with Tom, and these will just be short um, conversation. So, okay, I've got someone that raised their hand. I'm going to put you on the line. This is 916 area code. Hello? Oh, hi. Hello, hi. what's your name? Hi, my name's Renee. Hi. Hi, Renee. And Renee, do you have a question or something you'd like to say to Tom? Yes, actually I do. I um, often visit your um, website and give you messages and I have a lot of people um, that would like to be doing the format that you're doing almost kind of like a what would you say like are you going to be teaching kind of a circle so that other people who are not able to come and see you so that they can pass this on do you see that in the future hi, hi Renee I did get hi, your message I did get your message earlier today Oh, such a great question. I'll be honest with you. Do I see it in my future? If I do see it in my future, it's really, really far in in my future. Right. Um, although, you That's know, That's okay. I'll take him to see you. I'm a flight attendant. I'll just drag him with me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that could certainly change. I will tell you... We we had we had great success with this worldwide webinar that we did a couple of weeks ago, and mm-hmm. and one of one of the things I'm going to offer in the summer is is a virtual book club where it'll be open to absolutely anyone throughout the world. Where I think we'll take two chapters a week. And, mm-hmm. and I'll talk. I'll talk about it for thirty minutes, and then we'll do Q and A for thirty minutes. So I, I am going to create opportunities so more and more people can, you know, work directly with me. Right. But, right. But as but as far as you know, actually putting something together to train people to facilitate mm-hmm. groups. Mm-hmm. I, I could see it in the future, but I don't see it. Not in right. The You've got really so much going on. Um, yeah. I just want to yeah. applaud you and say that you know I similarly have lo- had lost my um, my brother in '92, then my mom, my grandmother, then my mom in '94, and they all went in one day. And so I always say I'm blessed because, um, and then I just lost my dad in '09. But I feel so much better, and I know that that sounds harsh, like you were saying. And people don't understand why I was smiling at my dad's funeral. And I think it's just, it takes an awful lot of willpower, an awful lot of hard work, an awful lot of courageousness. And I think that growing, being little, I always knew I'd have to have that. And so it's very emotional. And it doesn't mean it's not hard or it doesn't suck because it does. But that's what they want for you. And it's like, it's, say that I, you were going on a trip. Would I say go and have a really shitty time? Sorry about the language. Um, and then, you know, then I see you, and then you were like, well, God, I was just around the corner, and you wish me this horrible time. And that's, I think, in the end, how it's going to be. And I, 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 and so I agree with people you. find I, I have conflict with other people when I'm joyous at my dad's funeral because I'm like, he's free, and now... He's the most communicative one of all of them. And I've always felt like that. I mean, not always, but it takes time. It's been 
you know, several, several years. And sometimes it's like the weather we're having. It'll be a, a thunderstorm, and then two minutes later, the sun is shining, you feel great. And I just say to anybody who's suffering right now, feel your pain, go through it, and just day by day, that's all you can do. So yeah. I just really, really am glad that you stepped out in front, and I didn't have to. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Renee. So well, Renee, were, thank you for calling really in. Okay, yeah. thanks for thanks, listening yeah. to me. Yeah. Okay, yeah, bye, guys. Yeah, okay. let let me share one thing, Shelley. Um okay. I don't know that we touched I, I don't know that we touched on this, but but we will always, always, always have a relationship with the people that we love that died. Yeah. And that 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 isn't dependent upon whether or not we believe in an afterlife. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't believe in an afterlife, don't kid yourself. You still have a relationship with those people. And you're the one that will decide, do those relationships bring you peace and joy or do they bring you pain and suffering? Right. Um, so that that's something to be really, really aware of. The relationship continues. That's beautiful. And, you know, as you were sharing about the book club, first of all, I think that's a wonderful idea because you can't be all places at once. And, you know, this way there may be people that are guided to participate or even host their own book club based on the, the teachings that you provide in the book. So I think that's beautiful. Thank you. Thanks. Yes. Well, let's see. Oh, We've oh, got oh, another oh, caller. Okay. Although, let oh, me add this. I, uh-huh. I am, I mean, the, the intention that I set was to travel seven to ten days a month. Mm-hmm. And if folks go to my website, sign up for my newsletter, I am doing an incredible amount of traveling around the country, uh, you know, throughout the rest of 2015 and certainly into 2016. Yes, that's a lot of traveling. And, you know, once again, it is important to remember that, you know, a lot of this can be met you know, just connecting with you via your webinar, via your website, or just reading your book. And once again, Tom Zuba is your website, and your Facebook page is Tom Zuba Teaches a New Way to Do Grief. So let's take one more caller real quick, 780 area code. Hello? Hello? Yes, Hello. what's your name? My name is Shannon. Hi, Shannon. And I'm calling and from... Uh, I'm calling from Edmonton, Alberta. Awesome. Well, do you have a comment or question for Tom? Yes, I do. Uh, My daughter was was only 12 when her brother passed, and she got a lot of attitude from other kids at school, her teachers, that she wasn't uh, present in class. And I've noticed that... um, how do you deal with other children or teachers when life does go on after a series of losses? Dan, what's, what's, your, what's your daughter's name? Alicia. Okay. And and your your son, her brother that died, what's his name? His name is Jeremy. Jeremy. And when did Jeremy die? 1996, January 19th. Okay. Um, our, our job as parents is to create, and our job as human beings, is to create a safe, sacred space, number one, for ourselves, and number two, for the people that we love who are experiencing grief. And in that safe, sacred space, I write about it in the book, there's three criteria. One is I get to feel every feeling and every emotion. Two, I feel loved and lovable. Three, I feel seen, heard, and honored. As I said earlier, every single human being knows exactly what they need to heal. And for a 12-year-old, for a 7-year-old, my son Sean was three when his mother died, when I create that space with those three conditions and I allow that individual that I care about to do exactly what they need to heal, I promise you they will heal. 
so to your point, as a parent, even though even though you're experiencing your own grief because Jeremy yeah. died, we we have to be advocates for our children. And very often that means we rock the frickin' boat. Because, <laughs> because, because honestly, if you think about it, so many of us, three days after someone we love dies, we have to go back to work. And we have to be productive. And we have to pretend that everything's okay. That is abusive. And, and that, yes. has to, that has to change. So to think a 12-year-old is going to be able to go to school sit in a chair, concentrate, study for a test. It's cruel and it's abusive. Um, we have to become teachers. We have to each become teachers. When when we know better, we have to teach. And we, we have to, in, in our institutions, we have to begin to insist that we do it differently. Yes, I agree. Her teachers were some of the hardest people to talk with. And we were fortunate that one of her teachers did allow me to come in, into the class and talk to her, her uh, talk to my daughter's classmates and explain that uh, for us what was going on was very difficult. But Alicia was handling it as best she could. And for her teacher to allow me to come in to the classroom because unfortunately Jeremy's death was a suicide, which brought up all sorts of other questions. And when religion got involved in that, other kids would tell Alicia her brother had gone to hell, and it was very frustrating. Okay. Yeah. Let let me just chime in here for a minute, because it's fascinating that you're bringing this up in the last four minutes of, of the show. But... But every single person is a teacher and is a student. And and when we get this, a miracle occurs. It's a shift in our perception. These people that say, if, if you kill yourself, you're going to hell, they are telling us who they are. They are telling us what they believe. They are telling us that they are choosing to be rooted in fear. Let me let me tie in something that I said earlier. It's essential that we are really, really clear on what we think God is. God is love. Not a human love, a divine love. Divine love does not shut the door on anyone Jeremy was welcomed with open, open, open arms. I, I, I'm telling you now more of who I am. And and it's beautiful. I'm glad we have this opportunity because you and the listeners can connect with your body. How does it feel in the body? Does your body recognize this as truth, that, that divine love welcomes all and everyone? Yes. 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 Thank you so much for calling in and sharing that with us today. Yes. Thank you so very much for offering this. And keep doing what you're doing. It makes a difference. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, and I I think that that was the perfect way, you know, Tom, as we began the show talking about love and fear. And, you know, I do understand and recognize a lot of people have their ingrained beliefs. And, you know, once we said a miracle is a shift in perception. Yes, yes, ab- ab- absolutely. And and to tie in something that you said earlier, the teachers in Alicia's life, I would suspect, have not had an intimate experience with the death of someone they love. And and that's what, that's why their hearts are not open to the experience. Exactly. Very true. Well, Tom, I have thoroughly enjoyed our time together today. So have I. So have I. It's been a real, real pleasure and a joy. Yes. Well, listeners, once again, please visit TomZuba.com. His Facebook page is Tom Zuba Teaches a New Way to Do Grief. So he is very active on his page, and once again, he indicated please visit his website and the events page, and you'll see where he's traveling to. 
Listeners, I invite you to visit my website, ShellyRWilson.com. I also have Facebook pages, Shelly Wilson. I have them for my books as well, 28 Days to a New You, Connect to the You Within, and Journey into Consciousness. I invite you to tune in next week when Drew Callie will be joining me for Spirit Sessions. In addition, this week I'm going to be traveling to Omaha, Nebraska to do a health wellness expo where I'll be speaking Saturday at 11, Messages from Spirit, and Sunday at 3, Tips and Tools for Your Spiritual Journey. This concludes today's segment of The Shelley Wilson Show. Until next time, this is remember this is your time. I encourage you to live an authentic life, be the best you can be, and love yourself in the process. Much love and many blessings to each of you. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.